This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. I'm talking about straining for that logo on the side of your helmet and not the name on your back. Yes, sir. Because we know what it represents. It represents everybody here you see and everybody you can't that we've talked about. I'm here to strain with you, man. I swear to God I'm here to strain with you. Let's go. Everything you got, strain with everything you got. Let's go. Bills on three. One, two, three. Bills. You're listening to the Off Tackle with John Fita Show with your host, Joe Miller. Hello, this is the Off Tackle Show with John Fina. I'm the big O Jerry Ostrowski filling in tonight for Joe Miller. And uh, as always, next to me, my man John Fina. And um, with us tonight, um, I'm fortunate that Joe's not here. He decided that he wanted to give me the uh, the pure joy of uh, being able to introduce this man. Um, he's been with NFL Films since 1979, and uh, the one and only Greg Cosell joins us on the Off Tackle Show tonight. And um, I just have to ask you, Greg, um, you've been doing this professionally with NFL Films since 1979. What is it that keeps you excited about football? Like what gets you up in the morning? What do you love about it? ...by that, by 22 moving players on every single play. And fortunately in my career, as it grew, I've been able to be around a lot of great coaches, players. I remember in 1998, Steve Sable came to me and said, you know, you need to be going to the scouting combine every year. And so I've been going to the scouting combine. So there, I, you know, my first couple of years, I can't do this anymore. I'm way too old. But my first couple of years, I'd stay out till 2, 3 in the morning where all the coaches were out there you know, drinking. And that's where you had the great conversations, you know. And I learned so much. I was very fortunate to get to know Bill Walsh pretty well. And he really taught me quarterback play. I still sort of follow the way he taught me quarterback play when I watch quarterbacks and then evaluate college quarterbacks. But he's just one of many, many, many through the years because I always take the approach that there's so much to learn. You know, I'm sure people would say I probably know a lot and, you know, but I always feel like there's more and more and more to learn. The game is evolving. The game is changing. You know, you know how it is. You go out to dinner with a coach and all he does is, you know, he takes a salt and pepper shaker. He moves it around. Hey, we're going to put this guy here. We're going to put that guy on. You know, you know how it is. I mean, that's the way coaches are for them. It's, it's 24, seven, 365. Um, and I love the game like that. You know, I work, you know, people always say to me, guys, hey, I'd love your job to have your job. And then I say, you probably would. I work 70 to 75 hours a week for like eight months. Yeah. And then they say, maybe I don't want to do that. You know, but I just, <laughs> you know, I mean, I've got, you can't see it now, but I've got a TV right here. I've got my my remote, you know, and I've got all the tape in my computer. And, you know, I I, I just love it. I mean, it's, you learn something new every time you put on tape. 
I have to ask, you still using the old cowboy remote like the old days? Or they got yeah, you it, it, says, it says cowboy <laughs> remote right here. Yeah. <laughs> Don't leave home without it, Jerry. <laughs> I love you know, it's still the best remote ever invented for watching football. Yeah. But you know, Greg, I gotta ask, and and I you know, you've starting when you did in 79 and now you're still doing it in, in 2023. How has it been for you with the changes in football and the way you know, as as the old folk, and I guess you could say that John and I now are old folks, like to talk about how it used to be in the game right. of football. Right, right. Now that it's progressing to what it is now in such a, uh, I don't want to say two-hand touch, but obviously a, a, a day and age where we're protecting players more and taking away a lot of the big defenseless hits and offense is, is what everybody wants. How has that change been for you from 79 yeah. to 2023? Yeah, I mean, there's multiple ways for me to, to answer that. One is as a fan and the other is just in my job. You know, as a fan, um, you know, I, I, I think and I've said this to people, you know, around here at Films. I mean, the worst feeling to have for me as a fan when I'm watching a game on Sunday is to feel like whenever I see a good play, uh, am I waiting for a penalty flag? And I right. hate that feeling. You know, I just want to see the game played. And by the way, I don't want people to think that means I don't want players to be safe. I mean, that's not the point, you know, but, you know, you guys played, you know, it's a physical game. Some might even use the word violent, but, you know, let's use the word physical for now. It's a physical game. Um, you know, I'm not saying that you want people to just smash into people when they're totally defenseless and hurt people. But, you know, I've, you know, as a fan, I, you know, I, I just want to see. I was never one, even when I played sports, to worry about officials. You know, I just want the game to be played. Um, now, obviously, there's penalties, legit penalties, and the whole deal. Um, but from now, more of a work perspective, um, it's been really interesting seeing the evolution of the game. Because when I started, as you guys know, um, the game was about running the football. I mean, right. running backs were taking number one in the draft. I remember my second year here, I believe it was George Rogers, who was the number one pick in the draft. I remember Billy Sims, who was one of my absolute favorite players out of Oklahoma. I mean, I just thought he was so, so special. And, and unfortunately, uh, he got hurt with an ACL at a time when guys didn't come back from ACLs the way they do now. Um, so the game was about running the ball. There was, you know, not a lot of three wide receiver sets. There was not a lot of shotgun. I mean, I remember talking to Steve Young, who I know well, and he, Steve would tell me, I, I didn't take one snap in the shotgun my whole career, you know. <laughs> so, you know, it, it, as far as my work, you know, the evolution of the game, which I really enjoy, uh, because to me, that's the intellectual and academic part of it. It's constantly changing. You constantly have more to learn. You constantly have more to study. Um, so that part I really, really enjoy. John Greg, I want to okay. go ahead. I want to dovetail on that. You know, you've been spending years and years studying film, watching the evolution of the game, and now with the with so much social media out there, so many yeah. pod vidcasts. Everybody, I don't want to say everybody, but there are a lot of experts out there, uh, self taught. Some of them who get it right, and some of them who get it wrong <laughs> quite a bit, and the nuance. So, my basic question is. Is it a benefit to the game to have this many eyes thinking they know what they see and describing it? Uh, or do you find that uh, to be a little bit tiresome or do you not yeah. pay attention at all? Look, the people that know me and work with me and know me well know that I am not one of those people that thinks I know it all. You know, as I said, I always think there's more and more to learn. 
but I've been doing this for a long time. I mean, I literally work seven days a week studying tape, which doesn't make me brilliant or the smart. It, that, that's not my point. But this right. is what I do. I mean, I, you know, I wasn't joking when I held up. Like, this is what I do. I sit here and I watch tape. I take detailed, copious notes of everything I do. I mean, you know, I, I have books of notes, you know. Um, so and, and like I said, I'm always wanting to learn more. So I, I know what I do. I don't know what others do, but yes, there are times when I'm on, you know, look, I have to be on Twitter. I have to be because that's the nature of the, of, of life right now, you know, for our profession anyway, for my profession. Um, and there are times I see guys who maybe they're writers, maybe they, whatever they are, but they're not guys sitting in their basement in their underwear. They're guys in the business, you know what I'm saying? And, and I see them, you know, try to break down a play and I say, you know, <laughs> you really just don't know. And I mean, it's not my job to police, you know, to police what they're doing. No, you know, not at all. Not, not at all. my job right. at all. Um, and the other thing that I always find really interesting is when, you know, younger guys who are trying to get into it and, you know, are trying to work hard and do it the right way. Maybe they're 25, 28 years old and they'll put up a play and they'll say, I've never seen this before. And I think to myself, you know, I've seen it a thousand times, you know, because <laughs> I've been doing this for a, a long time. And, you know, uh, as you guys probably know, there's very little that's brand new that no one's ever done. It's just how you get to certain things, you know, but there's very little that's never, ever been done before. You know, I, I was fortunate enough to do a book with Ron Jaworski years ago called The Games That Changed the Game. And we did seven Sundays that changed the NFL. And one of them had to do with um, the uh, San Diego Chargers in the 1960s with Sid Gilman, who was considered, the, you know, the father of the modern day passing game. And so we did one of the AFL championship games where they beat the Patriots. You know, they killed them. And I remember I was able to get footage from the New England Sports Hall of Fame of some Patriots games. And it was coaching tape, believe it or not. They had coaching tape from 1963. And I'm watching this tape in my office, and I see a zone blitz, an exact zone blitz from 1963 that right. Dick LeBeau who, who Dick Gobo would be the first to tell you he didn't create his own blitz, by the way. Um, but, you know, he made it famous. He made, you know, people think he created it. You guys know he didn't, but I'm seeing it and it's 1963. So, you know, nothing is brand new under the sun, you know, so it's just how you get to things, how they look, you know, formation, you know, all that kind of stuff. You guys know all this, um, but, you know, football is, it's still a certain kind of game and, you know, Anything that's played in confined space, there's only there's not a thousand things you can do. There's confined space, right? Greg Cosell joins us, obviously from NFL Films. You might know him from his weekly stint on One Bills Live, and you can check him out every week. I think you're on Fridays, right? Fridays at two Eastern time. Yep, Fridays at two Eastern time. And Greg, I gotta ask you, you know, talking about the the science of football and the way things are going, and we've talked about you know things of old showing up now and all that you've seen probably more so than anybody because you're in that production world technology and yeah. how technology wow. has, has changed yeah. the game of football, right? Has, I, I don't like it. And probably because I'm 53 and I don't understand it. Like my son, who's a tight ends coach at Drake does, and he gets, ah, they get all into it. <laughs> but I, I look at this and has analytics, is it ruining the game of football? Has it changed the game of football? Because you see guys nowadays like Mike McDaniel down in 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 Miami, these these you know wonder kids that are so you know great on computers and technology, and they rely on analytics and these types of things. Has analytics 
is it is it hurting the game of football or is actually bringing a side to it that is that is refreshing and new and, and good for the game? Well, Joe, the way I'd answer that is this. I think every coach, you can go back to Paul Brown, would want more information rather than less information. The question is, how do you apply that information? Right. And that's where I think different coaches apply it differently. Um, I've had conversations with GMs and coaches that say, hey, some part of analytics I really like and I feel it helps me. Other parts have no bearing whatsoever on what I do to game plan and play on Sunday. So I think ultimately it's it's how you apply it. I think if it's blind and you just say, oh, analytics is everything – I don't think that's the best way to go. But if you figure out a way where it fits in in, in your approach and how that impacts you uh, in a given game, then I think it can be positive. I mean, to me, when, when you're playing in a game on Sunday, okay, and it's fourth and two at whatever yard line, and the so-called analytics tell you tells you to go for it, that's based on things that have happened in the past, okay? Right. Analytics is, is results-based, not <clears throat> process-based. What I love about what I do is I, I I love the part of being process based. The results to me are the result. Hey, everybody's a genius when you have access to the results. That's easy, you know. I mean, but we love that about fans. They have access to the results and they're passionate. That's great, you know. But but coaches, and again, I know they're paid to win. We get all that, but it's a it's a process based business for six days a week. Obviously, you play play even through the game, and obviously you have a win or a loss, and if you have too many L's, you won't be coaching very long. We get that, and they get it too. But for the most part, it's a process-based business. You know, you're trying to figure out the best way to go about doing something that gets the most out of individuals and, and groups. You know, that's that to me is what you're trying to do. Is that fair, guys? You played. Isn't that fair? Yeah. That's what you're trying to do all week long. Right. Get, figure out, you know, you guys were offensive linemen. So all week long with your O-line coach in particular, you're trying to figure out, hey, what's the best way to play against the defensive front we're going to play against? You know, what are the best run plays against this particular front? You know, how do we have to block this guy? Because you know what? He's a game wrecker and he could he could ruin our game if we don't have a particular plan in place. You know, that's all process. You know, obviously you right. have to then go execute it on a Sunday and hope that the results are good. But I love the process of, of watching this and figuring it out. And that's why for me, I very often don't care who wins or loses these games. I just love the games. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I'll, I like the analytics because we see more fourth and one, fourth and two yeah. teams going for it. I don't, I'm not interested in seeing a lot of punts. For two reasons, right. <laughs> it's boring. And secondly, when it's my team, I don't care where the punt returner goes. I'm just looking for a flag. I, with you, I, right. I yeah, see a big play. Yeah. I, I look behind the play, and I'm looking yep. for flags. Yeah. That, that's what you get a lot. Yeah, you, you get a lot. Yeah, that's that's the concern. But but getting to your point, Jared, I think, I think analytics can be very good. I think it's how you apply it. I mean, you know – and and there's probably look. I'm not an expert on it by any stretch of the imagination. So I'm sure if there was an expert here, he, he, they would give me 20 different ways it can be used and deployed to help. I don't know all those 20 ways. All I know is that you know when you're in the middle of a game and it's fourth and two, you know what happened six years ago. I, and and I actually had a coach tell me this, so I'm just the messenger now. You know what happened six years ago does not help me at all in deciding what I want to do on fourth and two in that moment. 
Right. Greg, you know, that's just great commentary. You talked a lot about process. And I think people, the ones that say, oh, I want your job. And then you tell them you watch 72 hours of film a week, which I believe because I I worked with you at NFL Films for a few days. (laughs) And I think a lot of our listeners want to know why. What's the goal? Do you have a set of goals every week? Are you producing a show? Are you is the show change every week? Give us a little insight into sure. well, what what does that seventy two hours become sure. for us, the viewer? Where yeah. are you? Where do we see you? Um, well, first of all, I've had many people tell me, and they're probably right that I, I work more than I need to, but that's just me. I've always been like that. So what I do in NFL films, I created a show called NFL Matchup in 1984. Um, For years and years, I was the producer of it, but I felt in my role as producer, in order to work best with the the on-air talent, as we like to call them, um, of which I guess I've become one of those now, um, (laughs) but um, I felt that I really had to learn the game uh, through their eyes, you know, through the eyes of the coaching tape and through the, you know, really learn football in order to be able to have good conversations with the talent and have the best show possible as a producer, even though the words were not coming out of my mouth, you know, and then just in terms of intellectual curiosity, when eight years after the show began, when we got the coaching tape, that for me was the Rosetta Stone. That's where, oh my God, now I can really learn the game. And now I not, not, can I just have conversations? But now I can sit and watch the way the game is coached and taught and the way the players take it in. Now I can really learn this. And I would say for three, four, five years, you know, I didn't really know a whole lot. I mean, you know, and I'm still to this day learning, but at least now I can put on the tape and, you know, I I pretty much can can know what I'm looking at for the most part. Um, But, you know, and then about, oh, I think it was six years ago, um, I became on-air talent on my own show because of, you know, changes at ESPN. And I feel in order to do my job properly that I have to study as much tape as possible so I can have all the necessary information at my fingertips whenever I need it. Um, because unless you're watching this, you really don't know. I'm not a highlight guy. You know, uh, highlights lie. I mean, you can watch a highlight and, you know, any uh, great plays by anybody and, you know, and that's easy, but I want to see how a team plays. What does a team do? Uh, you know, I've become more tactics and scheme based more than individual based. You know, I get calls every year from writers, you know, I'm doing my all pro team. Who's your left guard. And I'm like, you know, guys, I'm just, I'm not really studying individual left guards. You know, I used to do more of that. I do that when I start doing my college work, but I don't in the NFL season. I, I, I love the the tactics and the schemes of the game. Um, but I also do, as you guys know, um, radio. You know, I do. I think four or five local markets, including Buffalo, but I also do Colin Coward, which is national. I do Ross Tucker, which is national as well. You know, and and they want to talk about everything and. You know, I just don't feel comfortable talking about it unless I've seen it. So, for instance, Buffalo, which obviously, you know, that's you guys are most concerned about that. You know, I have to watch their tape and their opponent's tape every week or I do not feel comfortable going on with Brownie and Tasker. I just don't because, uh, you know, and and maybe the, the fan wouldn't know that at all if I didn't, you know, watch everything. But I would know it. And that's all that matters. I would know it. And, you know, I have to do it the right way for me. That's your 72 hours a week right there, Greg. (laughs) You're a machine. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, who was the guy? Was it um, who was the guy that used to write the um, 
the football Bible every year that uh, Paul. Um, oh, he passed away. He used to write. Oh, Zimmerman, Zimmerman, Doctor yeah, Z. Yeah, Doctor Z, Doctor Z. Z. So you're like Dr. You're, Z. you're like a Doctor Z, Greg. Yeah, I mean, except he wasn't you know. watching tape, uh, Jerry. So, yeah, <laughs> I don't know if that's, I just gave away a secret there. That's but he a whole. That's a whole nother. That's a whole nother. That's a whole nother. That's a whole nother show. But no, hey, Greg. Go ahead, Jerry. You're not, you're up. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, one of the things I loved about NFL films as a kid was the personalities of the players that you right. that you showed. I remember as a kid, I, I one time for a birthday present or Christmas, I got SI from my parents, and one of the things I got was this tape called Crunch Course, and it's that tape where the you know Lawrence Taylor's you know stomping around the the end zone you know we're gonna play like a bunch of crazed dogs and have yeah, some yeah, fun yeah, and, yeah, yeah. you know all that yeah, right yeah, yeah. and that was the thing i loved about nfl films you yeah. built these personalities i mean you guys i mean john madden was famous but you guys took john madden to another level right well it's funny jerry you say that because that was ed sable's vision from day yeah. one he wanted to present football he wanted to in a sense combine nfl football and hollywood movie movies. right that was right. really the plan when he thought of NFL films in 1963. So, you know, obviously we've, I think we've succeeded in that. And I used to do, before I pretty much got into this almost exclusively, because I love this, the, the, the X and O football, I used to make all those kinds of films too here at NFL films. Um, you know, but that's essentially what we are, you know, being presenting football in kind of a, a Hollywood movie making way. We were telling stories and now, right. you know, we're on the field. I mean, back then it was almost like that newsreel footage. Remember you'd see the high black and white footage, you know, all of a sudden NFL films, we have cameramen on the field and you're seeing guys facial expressions. I mean, there's a phenomenal shot that's famous to this day. And I'm sure if you saw it, maybe you'll even remember it with my description of it, of Dick Butkus sitting on the bench yeah. with his, you know, hands, you know, it's a very yeah. famous shot. You know, but yeah, yep. yeah. You know, the back tape then, on his fingers. Yep. yeah, shots like that. That you know, that's 1967, 68. No one did that back then. You know, and, and that's and incredible. The, the part I was progressing to was: Are the players nowadays? Do you find those types of personalities? I mean, the last oh, yeah. guy I can think of in the league really is Ray Lewis, and he's since has retired. No, you gotta, but you, you got a lot of guys, Jerry. <laughs> they all they all, they all want to be stars, you know. Uh, believe. Hey, Greg. Greg, I remember when I visited you at NFL Films back uh, I don't know, a decade or two ago, whatever it was. There was always talk about uncovering old reel-to-reel film that people found in basements right. that they'd turn over to you guys and you'd put them all on digital. Are you still seeing at least a flow of old films that had never before been seen? You know, I'm not, John, to be honest, I'm not involved with that anymore, so I don't know if we do that. You know, it, it's funny, particularly during the season, this is kind of what I do, uh, you know, and, and it's, like I said, I work so many hours. We're actually doing more work than ever here at Films, which is a wonderful thing, um, and there's so many projects we have. I, I bet that 30% of them, I don't even know what they are just because, I, you know, I get so wrapped up in what I do. Um, but, you know, I know that we have a deal, which, um, you know, it's public, so I'm not speaking out of school. We have a deal with actually a film studio in, in uh, L.A., Skydance, which is Tom Cruise's film company. You know, he, they do all his movies, among other movies. So, you know, we do a lot of stuff now at, at a really, really high level. I mean, we have a, a mixing room here. So people that don't know what that is, you know, 
you have to put all the sound together, you know, in any show. It's like a movie, you know. I mean, people might think if you're in a room and, and you're watching a movie and the phone rings, it's really that phone. It's not that phone that's sitting right there. It's a sound effect, you know. <laughs> but, um, uh, you know, we have this mixing studio that is so big with so many, you know, buttons and the whole. I mean, we're, we're basically, you know, uh, we could we're a movie studio production studio a real yeah real we're a real movie house yeah yeah so greg um you know i know we're bouncing around a lot but there's just oh that's fine no no it's great we got about hey john john we got about nine minutes i'd feel yeah yeah, i'm good you can go i'd feel amiss if we didn't pick his brain a little bit about the current buffalo bills and (laughs) he since he watches all this film all week long maybe he could teach you and i a little bit about what's going on with these buffalo and at the at the same time give our viewership something where they could start to learn to watch football from you know, how does Greg Cosell watch football? So let's hear about well, the Bills. Let me what do you say, got? What do you got? Is there like a Buffalo Bills bar in Tulsa? <laughs> yeah, there is actually. Are there you is. serious? There is. Oh yeah, yeah, there is. There is. Is there yep. one in, in Tucson? Oh yes. Oh wow! You're probably in charge of it, aren't you? <laughs> no, I am not. I can't. Only, I, when, only when they, hey, Greg, only when they pay him to come, then he's. Yeah, right. hey, <laughs> hey, hey, I'm probably like Jerry, man. Like if, if I'm watching a game and I got too many people around me asking questions and distracting yeah. me, I'm just kind of like, you know, when I'm watching, when you watch Owen play, right? When I watch oh. Bruno play at UCLA, my son, I, I'm at the game. I, I, I don't hear anybody. I'm just focused. So, so go ahead, Greg. Yeah, my son's at UCLA. Jerry's son's at Tulsa. Oh, yeah, my okay. son's a defensive end in Tulsa. At Tulsa. Oh, okay. And your son is there now, John, at UCLA. Yep, Bruno is the starting left tackle at UCLA. Yep. Wow. Yeah, I'll be watching. Um, uh, let's see, in, in a couple of weeks. It, it's usually about mid-January, and I actually watched some of them last year. But I'll be watching a lot too. Um, the pass rusher, and I guess they yep. got another kid there. Uh, one of the Murphy brothers. Is a good yeah, Gabriel. You know, I actually like the kid just as an aside, and um, I forget who drafted him, but he was drafted. I like the Grimes kid from UCLA last year, the guard. Uh, John Grimes, yes. I think his name was. Uh, no, it's John. Um, Not Grimes. Oh, um, no, he's at he's at Arizona. He hurt his knee. Is he is he at Arizona? I'll tell you in a sec. It began with yeah. G, but I'll tell you in a sec. But I like. Yeah, him. I'm blanking on his name. Mimi, do you remember his name? My daughter's in the comments there. <laughs> My daughter comes on the show. <laughs> she does. She's a super fan. Give me a sec. Uh, it was John, but I can't remember. Uh, John Gaines. Uh, um, John, John Gaines. Gaines. God, John Gaines. I, I'm blanking on him. He was Bruno's host on his uh, on his visit, yeah. and I'm sitting there. Yeah, I thought he was a good. He made a big player. impression. Yeah, no, he's a good player. He's yeah. he's long and he he plays with good balance and he plays really low. He's got a really good. I thought uh, his, I thought he had pretty light. Just what you said, you would know more than about the line position than I would. But I thought he had light feet and really good balance for you know. I thought he could play in the league, and he did until he hurt his knee. But he'll be back. Yeah, he'll be yeah. back. But uh, anyway, what were you guys? Oh, you want to know about the? What do you want to know about the Bills? We're we're, we're cautiously uh, eliciting your opinion on our beloved Buffalo Bills. Well, I think the Bills are – they're a frustrating team for me, and I'll tell you why. Um, Josh Allen, to me, is one of the most exhilarating 
and frustrating players. And I'm not talking about the interceptions. That that I've always believed that interceptions, you've got to look at each one as an individual play and not look at a number. So, you know, just the number is not a relevant statistic to me. Um, but at his core, Josh Allen is not a precision player. Josh Allen is an instinct player. I agree. And he can do things, obviously. I, I said three years ago, and people who I will say this probably didn't know a whole lot about football and even some that might have said, oh, you're crazy. I said three years ago he was the most physically gifted quarterback in football, which is not the same thing I would say to people saying he's the best quarterback in football, but he's the most physically gifted, okay? But he's he's not a precision player in a strict sense. So there's one thing that he does that I guarantee would drive you guys nuts, but it's just the way he plays, and my guess is it won't change. He leaves the pocket prematurely <laughs> too often. And he leaves throws on the field. Now, can he then make a special play? Yes, he can. And some of his special plays are ridiculously special. But like I told you guys, I was taught by Bill Walsh, okay? And so when I'm watching a quarterback, and by the way, I've met Josh. I don't know if you guys have met him. He is a great kid. You know, we all know, like I said, how gifted he is. But, you know, there are a lot of quarterbacks growing up playing now who are better athletes than the guys, you know, going back years and years. And they've grown up playing from the time they were 10, 11, 12, where they were the best athlete on the field. And they could always do something with their legs. And, you know, we've seen Josh be great. But, you know, I would just love to see him at times just play with a little more precision, let the play work for him rather than trying to make the play, you know, let right. the play work for him. Um, and, uh, you know, there are times he gets himself in trouble with that. And, you know, but, but at the end of the day, when you look at what he can do and the fact that I imagine if you're a teammate, you know, even an offensive lineman, you feel that you're never out of a game. They can always make that kind of play. And, you know, not being in the locker room, I'm not there, but I'm sure you guys could speak to that better than I could. I'm sure that's a tangible feeling that, hey, at any moment, our quarterback can do something incredibly special. Yeah. Uh, so uh, you you nailed it. And right. I, I think that is the that is the kiss me deadly with Josh Allen. Yes. Right. We, Great way to describe we, it. we want him to we're always looking for him to find the balance between the two. And I actually believe we're approaching that at this point under Joe Brady, I which is so. which is different than Dorsey. Uh, but as an offensive lineman, you know, I, Jerry and I just watched the second half of the game today again. And, uh, you know, in the second half of the show, when you leave us, everybody's going to be absolutely stunned when we don't tell them the offensive line was awful and we tell them why. Um, l- let me ask you this. Are the Bills overachievers or where they ought to be given the amount of injuries that they've been sustaining over the past two years? Um, it's interesting because I have felt over these last couple of years that overall they were not as gifted as their record. I mean, everybody said, man, they have super, super talent. I, you know, again, and I'm just speaking, watching tape. So, you know, I don't want people to think, you know, for me, not, none of this is ever personal, you know, I'm right. just no, 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 absolutely yeah. not. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I thought that 
quite frankly, guys, and you can speak to this better than I, I didn't think their offensive line, which I think has played better this year, but I thought in, in recent years their offensive line was really not that good for the most part. Um, I thought other than Diggs, they really didn't have another consistent weapon on the perimeter. You know, Gabe Davis once in a while, but, you know, not they didn't really have that second guy. And by the way, I think Diggs is great at what he is, but he's not a vertical dimension. You know, they don't really have that guy. Like, I, I would not put Diggs, and I hope that Buffalo fans listening to this are not going to, you know, shun me now, but I, I may even have said this on One Bills Live, but, I, you know, I don't think Diggs is in the category of, let's say, the Jamar Chases or the Justin Jeffersons. I think he's great at what he is. And and yeah. what, what he is, he's, he, that's, he's real. you know, to me, he's kind of a – the highest level possession type receiver you could be. That's what he's I got to take the top is. off of it, guy. By yeah, he's him. not going to. Do you guys agree with me? Oh, I agree. 100%. No, one hundred percent. And and nobody right. thinks you're uh, you're personal. You're you're probably the fairest arbiter in describing all of this than you know most of the loudmouths on uh, some of right. the social and, media. And the stuff. other thing you do is uh, when when a person watches seventy two hours of film a week, you can say what back you're it up. And I, and I <laughs> see that's the thing. I've seen every player, and I'm not watching right. highlights. The other right. thing I, I'd yeah. like to see Joe Brady do a better job of than uh, than Ken Dorsey. And you know, again. No knock on Ken Dorsey. I don't know the man. I've met him once, I think, at a combine. I certainly don't know him. Um, I'd like to see their run game and their pass game have better synchronicity, be married together better. You know, I think that – and that's one reason I've always been a believer in under center play action more than shotgun play action because I think okay, it's so very your run game and your pass game better. In what regard? I know the people, I know what that means to me, but are you talking about making your play action looking more like run? Yes. And yeah, because what you're trying to do to me with play action is what you're trying to do is you're trying to put players on defense in conflict, okay? Right. That's what you're trying to do. I mean, even defensive linemen, people never think about that. But let's say you are really good with outside zone and you have outside zone run action. What happens? You guys can speak to this. The D-line moves laterally first, not yes. vertically. That gives you an advantage yes. in pass protection. There's another beat, or a, you know, and fractions in football matter, as you guys know. Uh, but second-level, I think this is why someone like Kyle Shanahan is so good. He puts second-level defenders in conflict, you know, because they have they have a run and a pass responsibility, and he plays with that. He toys with that, and I've always believed that. The, the longer it takes to get to the mesh point, the more conflict you create. You know, to me, shotgun play action, for the most part, it, nothing's 100% in football, as you guys know, but for the most part, shotgun play action is that quick fake. You know, you're not really right. putting guys in conflict. You know, um, every once in a while you can, but, you know, to me, under center, which I call conventional play action, it just takes longer to get to the mesh point. The, the second-level defenders have to kind of wait to see what it is. And while they're waiting to see what it is, receivers are running routes. And, you know, I just think that, that I'd like to see more of that in the context of the Bills. And, 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 for every, and for everybody listening, the mesh point is when the quarterback takes a snap under center and he's moving backward while the running back is moving forward and you're faking the handoff at the mesh point. But I also think, and it's something we we're going to talk about here in a little bit, um, about last last night's game, but I think that thing goes hand in hand. What you talked about earlier with Josh, as far as his 
is, is he a precise or precision quarterback or a great athlete playing quarterback? I don't know if Josh – it's going to take a lot of work to get him to be that under center guy but I think more can, than he is That's something guy. I think you can teach, Jerry. Oh, I do too. I, I think, think you, you can, can too, but him. I don't know if he – I don't know if he – I don't know if he wants to, so to speak. I think right, and I don't know him, and right. I wouldn't speak to any of that because right. that I, you know, I'd have to, you know, it's like when people on shows, they, the the people I do shows with every right. week would never ask me this, but every once in a while I'll do a show for a friend or whatever, and they say, you know, well, someone a great leader, and I say, guys, I can't answer that. I'd have to be in the locker right. room every right. day to know right. whether someone's a great leader. I can't, an- I can't answer that question, no, you know, and I'm totally right. honest about it. I can't answer right. that. But, but I it's think like when John, yeah, it's like when John and I played. The only time we were in shotgun was when it was a definite third down passing situation. Right, and play action wasn't going to be a factor yeah. anyway. Right, right. But I just think you know, um, because you know what you're trying to do with defenders. I'm a big believer in scheme. I mean, I know that the game is matchups, and and obviously there's always going to be matchups in football at, 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 at every position, you know, you're an offensive lineman, you know, you're playing tackle John and you got a pass rushing DN, you know, you're matching up to him. Okay. You got to block him. Okay. There's matchups, but when it comes to, let's say the pass game, and I know there's one-on-ones on the perimeter and teams play, man, I get all that. You know, I've been doing this a long time. I know that, but I like to see the, the really nice schemes that get people open. That, that to me is, is what coaching is. You know, it's easy to say, oh, we got, you know, Devontae Adams, so we're just going to put him out there and he's going to win. Well, you know, yeah. Can he win? Sure. He's Devontae Adams. He's a great player. But uh, to me, uh, that that's not th- – that to me is cop-out coaching. Yep. Uh, I, I don't disagree with you. There was a play in the second half of the game. I just watched it. All they did was leak – Kelsey behind. I don't know if it was the blitz. Yeah, they ran it too. They ran both inside. Uh, I just saying. Uh, yeah, Kelsey just jogged a slow route right behind the receiver and then stopped, oh. and it put our linebackers and our our nickel corner in a position where they just couldn't get to him quickly enough because the wide receiver was just running them downfield. Right. And the whole point of that play was we're going to take eight yards, and then the, our big guy can fall forward for three. And well, that's it. I'll give you a great example, and then we can wrap up. You know, uh, uh, one thing, and and they didn't necessarily know. I don't think they were going to get a blitz, but the, the touchdown he threw to Cook for the first touchdown mm-hmm. this week. Yeah, See, I love that. That that was four strong. Okay, they they started out in tight bunch, and Gilliam was number three in the bunch, and he went jet motion and then orbit motion back. So they ended up with four strong, which has become very pre- prevalent in the league. Something I love because four strong is really hard to deal with if you're playing zone because right. zones can't handle four guys to one side running routes, and they ended up running three verticals and what we call H seam. It's all verts H seam is basically what the play is. Cook was offset to the to the four strong side in the backfield and he ran the h seam half back seam for people right. so they understand what i'm saying right. it's half back seam now they whether they knew they were going to get a blitz or not only they know that i don't but they got a blitz but the point is is um Sherfield went in motion, or maybe I'm confusing plays, but somebody went in motion. It might have been Sherfield. I can't remember every detail of the play. Actually, I've got my notes, and I can tell you in a second because I was watching it earlier today, obviously, because today's Monday. So I'll, I'll tell you in a sec because I do have my notes, um, and then I can tell you for sure. So here, oh, yeah, it was Sherfield jet motion with the snap. 
just before he crossed Allen in the gun, but the motion made it strong, four strong to the field. Three verticals concept with Sherfield, the swing outlet. Cook from offset backfield alignment ran H seam as the middle vertical with linebacker Bolton and safety Edwards uncertain as to their coverage responsibilities right. behind the five-man pressure concept. And actually, Connor got in clean off the field edge, but the uh, timing of the throw by Allen beat the, uh, you know, be- beat him. Um, but the point is, is the four strong caused them problems, caused Edwards and Bolton, and Bolton's a really good player, by the way, and a smart, savvy player, but it caused them problems because they were, first of all, they were short in coverage because of the pressure, but it just, they weren't sure how to react to it. And that's the kind of stuff I love, you know, the schematics yeah. of that, you know, they, they caught him, they got him, they got yeah. him with the play yeah. call. And the, Greg, I could see you with your with your cowboy remote running that left play oh. back probably 10, 15 times <laughs> before you're set. I got it. You know, I do the same thing when the, I prepare the, the for our show. The other play I was thinking I, of that was four strong was, was that Knox caught an 11-yarder in the first half. That was yeah. the one where they, Gilliam went in, in jet, uh, in jet then orbit motion. It was an 11-yarder to Knox in the first half. Um, yeah, it wasn't, you know, a huge play in that sense, but uh, – um, they went four strong out of 21 personnel because I view Gilliam as a, as a fullback the way they use them. Um, but um, that also caused confusion in the Chiefs' zone match concept. And Knox, who was the original point man in the bunch, was wide open in the middle on the quick inbreaker, and it was 11 yards. And plays like that don't seem like a lot, guys, but you know how important plays like that are. Yep. Yeah. Sure. That, that, to me, that that's a that's a chunk play anything yeah, over seven yeah. yards and I'm, I'm as an offensive lineman i'm thrilled to the gills ladies and gentlemen greg cosell thank you so much for joining us i mean just hearing about what you do daily your passion for the game your dedication and how much film you watch i know jerry and i are a little jealous and sounds like things are growing there in mount laurel and if you need uh, applicants maybe jerry and I can <laughs> take a load off with you help out a little bit but uh, for my part, I just want to say, old friend, thank you so much. Uh, I've never forgotten the time I got to spend with you. And, um, you know, hopefully I'll get to see you live again soon. Jerry? Greg, I appreciate you very much. I'll come up as long as you, like, give me a hoagie and a cheesesteak every week. I'm uh, good yeah, to go, man. Let's there, do it. There's hoagies and cheesesteaks <laughs> all around here, Jerry. That's not an issue whatsoever. I used to I used to be a sucker to come up for a yingling, but I can get that across the country now. So I'll That's just right. That's right. That's hoagie. right. It's local. But, uh, but yeah, you can get you can get those anywhere now. But, but a really good cheesesteak, you got to be in Philly. Exactly. Yeah. Greg, thank you so much, man. I appreciate hey, guys, it. I really appreciate it. Thanks. Maybe we'll do it again. All right, we'll talk to you later. All right. Bye now. Holy Victory Monday. We had Greg Cosell on the show. Look, how great is Greg Cosell, man? Dude, that was awesome. Can we do this again? Joe, go on, go on a trip. I want to talk about like all the other stuff too. Hey, real quick. Those are like Tahiti or something. Yeah. Yeah. Real quick before we get into last night's game, I had maybe had a little bit of a snafu to start. So, real quick, I want to hit this. uh, uh, I want to hear from our sponsor, Ficta and Elmer, real quick, and then we'll get into last night's game. Okay, Johnny? You good with that? Okay. Yeah. Right, here we go. Picture this. Crystal clear vision without the hassle of glasses or contacts. Imagine watching Josh Allen's game-changing touchdowns with absolute clarity. At Ficta Indolin Elmer Eye Care, we can make that a reality. Now, in a matter of seconds, with Zeiss Smile technology, you can see clearly and get back to doing the things you love as soon as the next day. Visit us online at Ficta.com and take our free self-test to see if you're eligible and schedule an evaluation. 
At Ficta, Endel, and Elmer Eye Care, we are focused on you. Go Bills. Who let the guy with ADD run in the show? Who who did that? I don't know. Who's that? Me or you? Or, that's, or me. I'm, that's me. That's <laughs> me. Oh, uh, anyway. oh, so when you broadcasted, it didn't go out? No, it went out after I hit the, the stream button after a few a few minutes of, of, you know. We're good, though, man. We're good. We're good. We're, we're good. good. Hey, got, uh, that was all- that was great fun. Yeah, that was awesome. Um, that was a good get, and you need to get him on again because that was uh, seriously that was phenomenal. You know, you know what's fascinating about Greg? You know, having met him in his you know quasi dungeon at, at NFL Films <laughs> all those years ago is there. There's probably nothing changed about that office. There's no. that remote control. There's his TVs and his access, and and you saw binders of notes all over his room, his office, and yep. uh, I just love his his. You know, he's so even handed in his opinion. You know, there's nothing personal about it, and it's crazy that I feel and you feel, and I think a, a lot of people on our particular network who talk a lot, Spence and Joe and Sarah and I you know, as a group, you know, we share a lot of opinions and to hear it more or less validated from a guy who's, right. you know, who has the time to watch six hours of film a day or 10 hours of film. That's, it was brilliant. All right, man, let's get into it. I feel I'm, I'm, I'm going to get, let's get into last night, man. Let's, let's talk a little right. bit about the game last night. Yeah, man, look, I, 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 as much as I hate three years running, we have to play at Kansas city. I, I, feel, I also feel like somehow it's good luck. I thought we were going to win. Um, this game pretty much went by script from what I expected from Buffalo from the last freaking 10 games, right? Nothing right. surprised me. So I was just happy that uh, when things got a little dark in the second half, we were able to put at least one drive together, right? To, and uh thrilled to come out of there with a victory nothing's fixed nothing's perfect it's gonna be a freaking boxing match next week and uh i'm just happy to get the w what do you think no i mean anytime you know how it was john we talked about it all the time anytime you go in the hostile territory especially in december you're you know you're playing for something the number one goal is to win and I, I put it up there yesterday on the X app. You know, we used to say it all the time, a win is a win is cash money. That means you're advancing, right? Money, and, money, money. you know, I'm all, about, I'm all about the win, however it is. I don't care what it looks like. The thing that I liked about last night, before we get into the offensive line specifics and some of the stuff that we saw, because I know people have questions. And, hey, if you're in the comment section like Roy, Matt, Richard Rush, Mike Kingsley, all you guys, if you're in there, Jump Amanda, in, with, uh, Mimi, Tracy, and the Mimi, Tracy. If you jump on in with some comments, if you're on Facebook or Twitter, you want to hop over to Facebook or not Facebook, you want to hop over to uh, YouTube and get in the comments. But you know, it's um, it's one of those things where the way they competed, I mean, from the quarterback down, I mean, it was one of those physical games, it was an ugly game. I mean, Josh was. You know, he might miss the obvious completion, but then he makes the circus play on the sideline. I mean, all the way down to the the coaching staff, you could feel the intensity of that group. They wanted that game. They wanted that game because of what went on that week with their head coach. I, I said it last night. There, show me a team that that I mean, that team wants to play for wants to play for McDermott. They want to play for him. 
they want to them to they want to win games. They want to do all those things. They showed a lot of guts last night, a lot of character. And I could give a rat's what it looked like. They won the game. That's all that matters. Now on the next week, and let's get another one because I think now we need eight in a row. We needed nine. Now we need eight. Yep, that's right. Uh, Jerry, um, a couple of thoughts have been popping into my mind when I was watching the second half again. Uh, I, I get annoyed when they talk about genius coaches and crap like that, but um, I, I got to give a nod to Spagnuolo or Spagnuola because he schemed the living hell out of that defense up front. And the, the, we'll talk a little bit about that when we approach the offensive line play. But I was, I'm curious, why does the right guard always signal with the hand the ready for the snap? Why is the right guard looking back at the quarterback when he's a rookie and the left guard, who's a little bit more seasoned veteran, could do the same damn thing? I think that it might be a little challenging for Torrance to do that right now. Um, I believe the reason they do it is a dominant eye thing, I would imagine. I would imagine Mitch Morris, his dominant eye is his right eye. Therefore, he could see better with his right eye than now, like Mr. Cosell early, said earlier, we're not in the locker room, man. So we don't know for sure. But that's but my I, best, It's that's always my the right guard. Best. Right. It seems like it's always the right guard. Right. I don't it's, know. And I, I just I'm an eye thing. And I say that just as a, you know, I think Torrance is playing great as a rookie, but I think you always want to position people for success. Mm, and I don't I, know if that he's a little shaky last night. We'll get into that. No, no, for sure. For sure. Uh but that again, you played at Arrowhead. You remember. <laughs> I mean, you oh, can't yeah. hear us, you can't hear a thing. I totally uh, I I and you played tackle too, so you you know what it's like to try to watch the ball out of the what was your the corner of your left eye, and keep your right eye on that freaking all pro defensive end that was about stepping up field on you and clubbing you, right? Right. So, I mean, it, it's it truly a very challenging thing. And I thought maybe God, if the left guard did it, maybe you know Torrance would would feel a little bit more comfortable because when you're looking back, and I'm a defensive tackle, I'm going to be moving. Yeah, and remember, and that first happened. I don't know if you remember this or not. I'm playing center, and we go to New England, and we're looking. We're still looking between the legs for the leg to come up, the shotgun snap. And when you looked in between your legs, and you and you look back up, I can feel Ruben's hitting me on the thigh, and I'm like, "What?" And I look up, and the whole defense has changed. They would change yeah. defense after you looked under. So that's where the the whole thing with the hand and all that came from. So. Smart. No, I get, yeah, I, sure. I get it. I mean, it's, it's. <laughs> there are no, there's nothing you could do in that noise, but just try to. And, and that, that's why eye. you said a, a win. We got the yes. win, right? Well, I mean, there's a great one of the greatest stories in the history of Bill's folklore happened at Arrowhead with Will Wolford. I will never forget that whole the the time that Will Wolford changes. Why did he change his jersey number? Do you remember that story? Oh, yeah. Derek Thomas changed it for him. <laughs> exactly. So, And you know what? Uh, I mean, the, the guy's a legend, but that was a rough game for Will. Exactly. Exactly. But, you know what? I had a rough game. You had a rough game. We all had a rough I mean, you, you can't suit up and be perfect. 
No right. chance. And I think Bob has a good point. How many snaps does it take to read that count? You got to work with it. We used to do the, you know, you'll see people do the secondhand motion, you two leg raises, all that stuff. You, you try to mess with it. Um, the rule we always had was once the once the quarterback calls for the ball, the ball could come anytime after that. It doesn't have to be right away. It can be delayed, you know. And you try to you try to mess with it, but then when you when you hold on to it too long at center, and John Fina jumps off sides, and he's giving you an earful in the uh, in the huddle, then you yeah. usually tend to snap yeah. it as quick as you can. Yeah. Speaking of jumping off sides, Jawan Taylor, give me a break. That guy's helmet isn't anywhere near the crack of the center's ass. And that guy twitches. That guy twitches like he is coming off an addiction. I mean, he's shaking out there. I'm telling this is this is insane. In the 90s, if we moved like that along the line of scrimmage, there'd be laundry everywhere. Oh, that guy's my God. His butt. He's moving his forget it. That's snap but, simulation. But so. the thing is, is that I mean, we've already made 99% of the rules for the offense. Why do we have to make hundred percent of the rules for the offense? I mean, yeah, it, it goes, yeah. it even goes into last night with the whole offsides call on Tony. I guarantee you, he's probably lined up that way most of the season. Um, you know you what, know, Jerry? Mimi, put it in the comments. The guy lined up offsides. I, I saw so much of it on Twitter today. This is a non-versation. No, it, exactly. It is a non-versation. And, and we agree. did not get a, we did not get a break. They committed an error. Right. It's not right. a break. We didn't get right. away with anything. They finally well, decided to flag it. It is nice to see that, you know, Big Red for the most part and then and then uh, Pat, Patty uh, came to their senses today and Patrick for sure apologized for his behavior, especially yeah. apologizing to Josh Allen, how he acted after the game when he went up to see Josh. So obviously he gets on the X app and uh, seen the public uh, outcry. Yeah. Good for him. I, I forgive him. All right, let's let's talk. Uh, we don't have a lot of time, Jerry. We had a great time with uh, Greg Cosell, but you know, there were a number of things that people lash out on the offensive line. So let's deal with it right now. Second okay. half, I watched it. You watched it. Take away from your notes. Um, uh, the first drive of the second half, third and twelve became third and seven, and then Torrance had a mental error. Yes, Ellis. Um, he had a couple of busts last night, and when I say that, MAs are mental uh, missed assignments. He slid, he slid wrong. He slid the wrong way. You could see he was a bit confused. And this goes with what John was saying earlier about are we giving this rookie too much? The other thing that people need to realize, and this happens every year to these guys, these dudes have already played like six more games or whatever than in, they're usually normally playing as a as a college senior or a college football player. So there is a bit of a wall that the rookies hit during the season just because it is so long. But no, he had two missed assignments last night, slid the wrong way. I don't I did not see the Bills particularly trying to slide to Chris Jones every play. They left they left Chris Jones on an island, but I also think that uh, Spags uh, the DC over in Kansas City did a really good job of getting him one on one with certain people. They had him one on one with uh, Spencer Brown. Some he had some success over McGovern. Um, some of the stuff was iffy. I thought Josh might have held the ball too much, or was running pylon drills um, back there instead of throwing the ball away. Um, there were a few times we got beat just blatantly. The missed assignments need to not happen. 
But um, right. no, I think Spags so, did a really good job scheming us up. And, and you know what comes with time for all those listening. When you play offensive line at this level, your film study and your playbook study becomes incredibly important. So I've, I've said it a number of times. When we played, we took a test on Saturday morning and we reviewed it on Saturday night. And we had to pick up the assignments, the blitzes. And not only did we have to block our position, we had to block every position on the offensive line, the running backs and the tight end. And I think, you know, it got to the point where, no offense, Jerry, but, you know, between me and Ruben and the other guys, when you were playing center, you making a call became more of an exercise of it's something you have to do. But I already knew my responsibility. And I knew I knew if the linebackers moved over, you'd be changing the call, and I, I would just change my technique right. or my responsibility right. as it as it was. So, uh, frankly, uh, the, that's going to come with age. But the beautiful thing is, the guy's like a pyramid, right? He's got a great base, and right now, with the experience that he's getting, you know, it's going to become even stronger and grow even taller. Do you want to go ahead? I was going to say, do you want to hit this one real quick? I know we don't have much time, but Mike Kingsley asks, how does a defense dictate whether a lineman gets a one-on-one matchup? By a lineman, they study. Go ahead. Go ahead. ahead. Yeah. So, I mean, they study us just as we study them. So formations for them reveal the, our formations will reveal to Spagnola what type of protection we'll use in some instances. right? Right. Um, and if they're good at it and they got a lot of people studying film and they create tons of analytics, then in certain places on the field, the Bills are 70% likely on the right hash mark between the 35s to line up a tight end there, blah, 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 and run these types of protections. Right. So in that instance, you're going to put uh, Chris Jones on the right guard. Uh, in this instance, we're going to put him on the left guard. And what's really cool and I hate to say it that way, is a guy like that being able to rush a tackle and then you can move different people yeah. into positions. Uh, it gives you so much versatility. The fact remains that we looked worse as an offensive line, not because of us, but because the combination of the offensive line yes. missed assignment by the running back. Josh should have thrown a couple of balls away. And, he, you know, when, I, when you're blocking as a tackle, we see this all the time. It happened to Spencer Brown last week, I think. I'm taking my guy deep, Jerry, like we like to. We're at about nine yards. And then all of a sudden, the guy reverses field, and he starts heading back to the line of scrimmage. Now, I can hold him and run the risk of a flag, or I can let him go. And if the quarterback is moving his way up into the pocket, and I let him go, and it's a sack, that ain't on the 70s. That's on the teens, right? That's Josh's right. slack. We had, and we had one of those. Uh, that play, I think, God, we had six seconds, and Josh held and held and waited and waited. It was third and 27, and that sack is on him. Uh, the third, sorry, one, two, the third drive, which was awful. Screen right. Uh, the Kincaid got held, and then third and 10, Looked like the offensive line blew. Latavius Murray supposed to f- fill between the right guard yep. and right tackle. And instead, he makes his read to the A gaps, gets himself out of position, can't recover. Boom, sack. And I then think- the other the other sack, by the way, or, or the other pressure uh, was a spy guy coming. Yes, late in the game, right? Yeah. So 
Uh, our protection wasn't perfect. Josh scrambles sometimes when he oughtn't. And when you scramble at depth, you're always going to see pressure right. from the backside because that guy's running an arc. And on the play side, that guy's going to disengage from the tackle and give pursuit. And but, I don't know. Go ahead. I'm sorry. not great play by the O line. Go ahead. I, I don't know. I don't know what kind of what kind of hold Josh has on being able to change the protection. But there was a couple times we slid, we slid to a two man side. We slid brought, to a two man side. Yeah, and they they brought three they brought three or four to the two to the and it was like it was just to me the communication was was really off. I thought Spagnuolo did a wonderful job. Like for instance, in the middle one time. They had Chris Jones over over McGovern, and then they had the other defensive tackle over Torrance, and they lined them they lined them up in either twos to ones, and the reason being they knew that if you're going to slide protect, one of the things they teach you as an offensive lineman is you kind of if your guy's wider, you don't have to leave so quick. So I can kind of play two ways: I can stick my inside hand out and help this guy while I'm eventually going to go help this guy. Well, putting those two in in ones like that, Mitch had to go, man. Like, he didn't have time to jack around because he's got a gap. Well, as soon as he leaves, Chris Jones blows up field. That was that one he got on McGovern early um, when McGovern seemed to catch his leg and kind of was down for a minute in the first half. So, again, great coaching. Um, They did a wonderful job there. So, I felt that, uh, you know, I didn't think that we ever – I don't think it was such a big-time mismatch. It's just we just got beat up. I think we had some issues with missed assignments and understanding where we needed to go with what pressure was being shown. You know, Spagnola did a really good job of showing some some phantom stuff where, right. you know, we're going to come here, those guys bail, and the other side comes. You know, stuff we oh, deal did, with all the time. Did you, you know. catch that game in the second half that they ran over on Dawkins and McGovern's side? It was – Freaking awesome. It was a delay game. The, the, the three or two technique took McGovern inside. Dion yeah. setting out on the line on the on the defensive end, who slow plays him. And then the linebacker from depth creeping. Right. Instead of coming to take, you know, coming to the quarterback, he goes and picks Dion, and that puts uh the running back in a bind and the defensive end rolled in. Man, I watched that thing like right. four times. It was freaking poetry. This is a oh. brilliant. Game. Oh, definitely. I mean, it was uh it was it was a great job. It was I like I said, I thought I thought Spagnola did a did a, a wonderful job last night. I just think that the biggest thing for us in the second half, John, and I wanted your opinion on this. You know, we're doing some different things. We've really gotten good at running dart, and now we're running dart to both sides. And what I mean by dart is it's that spread yep. concept counter run where we're not pulling guards. We're just pulling that tackle. They usually do it with Dion. Last night, Spencer did it and did a really good job with it. And I think eventually you'll see us building some play action off of that. But, um, you know, why did we go away from – it seemed like an early in the fourth or whatever, late in the third quarter – we kind of abandoned the run and went back to, as Greg was talking about earlier, the run pass mesh left us, and we just started running plays instead of running those mesh type things between run and pass. And then all the, you know, because we we were having success running the ball. I, I think that was another issue. We didn't stay with the run. We kind of bailed from it too early. Yeah, I mean, love or hate Tony Romo, if you will, but at, at times he has the most incredible insights until. Uh, 
you know, the, the, the drive where we ended up kicking the field goal, actually the one before it, we hadn't run the ball in 10 plays. Right. And, uh, you know, that dart play, I like to call it zone revert. So you run zone left, but the guy on the, the far left, Deion Dawkins, right. comes across the line. So that play's been working extremely well. We did have some angle blocking, some people call pin and pull, and uh, we had great we had great luck with that. But what what really killed me was the bunch grouping runs inside <laughs> the tackles, and right. I, I've been seeing it for three years now. Gabe Davis might be handsome, but he can't block inside the tackles. Stop doing it. We line up two tight ends. We bring all these people into the box. And none of them could do the math, and none of them can nut up like they need to because that ain't what they do for a living, right? Right. So I, we, we started running a little bit of that bunch in the second half, and I'm like, why are you going away from what worked? This dart or the zone revert, as I like right. to call it. Start getting – and James Cook does such a nice job with the jump cuts getting out in space. Well, and the last thing, what, what Greg was saying, what Greg was saying, why in the hell – isn't our play action look a hell of a lot more like our running game? And right. and instead of doing that, we were on a lot of first and first and second down throwing that screen, which worked early, but they they were they were picking up on it, Jerry. I think that going back to that, going back to the running game with Cook a little bit, I think we got two things going for us. We're doing a really good job, even on the inside zone, of seeing off the backside three. We're able to get jump behind the center, jump behind that backside guard because A, we're doing a good job there sealing off. And then B, Josh holds everybody on the outside. Nobody can sell out and crash inside because Josh will pull the ball and he's around the end. Um, I, I think that some of the screen game we ran early is good. We tried to change up the blocking. We ran it out of a stretch look. We ran it out of that. We actually did kind of, I think we ran a screen where we ran stretch one way and tried to screen back the other. And we ran traditional screen blocking and they were blowing it up. I mean, they figured it out, especially later in the game when you could tell that Brady was trying to get the ball to digs any way he could. And some of those looks, I'm sure just, you know, Spagnola saw coming from a mile away. Um, I do like the screen game. I'm not a huge wide receiver screen guy. I'd rather run it to the cooks, but um, you know, we did a really good job hitting perimeter stuff early. Um, they took it away from us, but I just would have liked to have seen us go back to that run game and really try to pound the ball and control the clock. Yep, I agree. Overall, Jerry, I think your comments are spot on. You go into a place like Kansas City, they're coming off a loss. You want to get out of there surviving with a W with minimal injuries. I'm not sure what A.J. Epinesa's wrist injury looks like. I don't know what Micah Hyde's injury looks like, but I think by and large we got out of there healthy. And we get to reload against the Cowboys. Exactly. And it's going to be another big day for our defense, which, by the way, I know we were off tackle. Uh, props to our defense. I thought they did a great job up front of getting after Mahomes. And the other thing they did really well, except for like one scramble for a first down, they kept them in the pocket. Um, we ran a lot of stunts where we run, we would get uh, Groot would run underneath and we would have. Um, our inside defensive tackles loop outside to keep contain. We did a really good job keeping spies on them, keeping them in the pocket. And that's, to me, that's not what he really likes. And if I was going to play Josh Allen, I'd do the same thing. But, uh, no, I thought yeah. they did a good job as well. 
And, and I paid a lot of a lot of attention to the passing scheme of Kansas City, and they just do some really smart stuff, just some very basic stuff. We want to get six yards here, want to get eight yards there. You know, they're they're really smart offensively. I'd like to see. Hopefully, Joe Brady breaks that film down, and you know, it, it to me, it's all about situational plays, right? If we need four yards. What are our top three plays? But how are we going to scheme the guy to get open? And right. again, we're over time, Jerry. You know, it's long in the tooth. You are great. Thanks for sitting in for Joe Miller. Well, uh, thank you for everybody in the comments section. You can download this anywhere you get your favorite podcast. You can go back and watch it on YouTube if you dare. And we had a great time. What do you got, Jerry? I was going to say I wasn't perfect. But I was all right. I appreciate you having you me on. Great. I enjoy I enjoy doing the show with you, man. Thanks to all of our uh, our listeners. Thanks for checking in. Hit the like button, subscribe button as always. Joe will be back next week, so you can hear his velvety voice. Um, John will be back as well. Sarah and I will be on Wednesday night at uh, nine nine Eastern, eight Central. The line the game. We'll talk more about the game this week. We'll talk about that Cowboys matchup coming up. So once again, thanks everybody. As always, go Bills. Hey man, go Bills. Thanks, fellas. Thank you, everybody. Thanks.